Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Perfect. Okay, so we are live. Welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Um, I'm delighted to say we are on episode number 30. And I'm delighted to say today we're, jo- we're joined by Owen Gallagher. I have your pronunciation right there. I sometimes get names right. Do it wrong, Owen. I know you have it right there. Yeah, um, so Owen is the owner and founder of Elevate Health and Fitness based in Deans Grange, County Dublin. So welcome to the podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, so first off, Owen, what we try and normally do is... With any of the guests, it's just kind of, I suppose, for health and fitness or where that came into. Just tell us a little bit about your journey growing up as a kid um, and, I suppose, what drew you to creating your own business, buddy. Okay. Yeah, so where do we start? <laughs> so um, I suppose like normal, every kid, they're into sport. Um, I played soccer, GAA, rugby, hurling, golf, tennis, everything when I grew up, when I was growing up. Um and then I suppose I went into secondary school and I got drawn to rugby. Um, and rugby then became, I suppose, my friends, my family, everything like that. So playing rugby um, in school, played to a junior cup, senior cup, but got injured in my final year uh, playing, broke my collarbone, got spear tackled by an American team that came over. And uh, they uh, then I broke my collarbone um Tried to get back for the, the senior cup and just didn't happen. Um, and then I suppose after that, I kind of, I stopped training, but kept eating and everything that was with rugby. I put on a few kilos, stones maybe, and um, kind of lost my way with fitness for a while. Uh, because I was playing in a team sport, it was, I felt kind of got left behind by the team, even though just because of the injury i was kind of left behind so i kind of found it very daunting then to even think about fitness getting back into a gym um anything like that so i suppose i kind of found myself in a place where i didn't know what to be doing uh, fitness wise and the lads were still training and they were still playing and it was a fairly big group of friends um that i'd made through rugby we're still all best mates still which is something that's very unheard of. I suppose you leave school, you'll kind of lose touch with a lot of place people. There's a group of us 20 strong still, and we're best mates still. And um, I just kind of felt that I had lost my way and kind of, I suppose, how would you say, found myself in that place where I didn't feel like I was wanted anywhere. So takeaways, alcohol, that kind of stuff came into it, put on a couple of kilos and ended up, Found, I found a picture of myself on holidays and it's kind of I suppose like a lot of people's journeys fitness journeys where they start they see a picture of themselves and they're like oh crap um, and then I just reached out and I asked a friend of mine to bring me up to the gym and try and get me back into it and I found myself in love with it again and um, from there I was I wanted to learn more about it and that brought me to trying to find somewhere to study about it um, I ended up spending a year in college in Bray, and then two years in another college in Sally Noggin. And then I ended up doing the course down in Elite Fitness uh, and Performance Academy now. 
um, with Sean McGarity and Jason Kane, and it absolutely changed my outlook on fitness and what I wanted to do in fitness as well. So from there, that's where I suppose Elevate started. And on just on that, it, when was it originally your plan to get into health and fitness, or like was Never. college or your life? What was that looking Never. like for? Um, I always said that I wanted to do something with my hands, and I was very drawn to mechanics. Um, I was my granddad was uh, had a garage at the back of our house, and he was a panel beater, and I used to spend my childhood up there. Um, I don't know if that's where I got that idea from, but I. That's what I wanted to do was kind of working with hands and mechanics was the one that was drawn to me the most. When I came out of school, there was no chance of getting an apprenticeship at all. It was very hard to get an apprenticeship. Um, I ended up actually getting an apprenticeship with uh, as, a, as an electrician and I lasted um, two days. <laughs> uh, I wasn't rolling wire up and downstairs for the rest of my life or, or a year or whatever it was. Um, it just didn't suit me and then that day I actually applied for a college course. I never thought I'd end up in college. Um, I didn't ever see myself sitting behind a desk. I do a lot of it now, but um, I never thought I'd see myself sitting behind a desk ever. It was just, a, I'm a very hands-on person. Yeah, and Owen, I suppose, I just, I'd like to get into, I suppose, your perception on health and fitness. And I suppose when I went uh, to, back to study health and fitness, I had this idea at the weekend, I'll be doing PTs and I'll be making an extra few quid and I can keep a full-time job and the, the, the bright and shining lights of making a few quid again. What was, I suppose, your thoughts before meeting Sean and Jason at Elite? It was a very mixed view, to be honest. When I left the other colleges, I thought that I'd be working in the kind of Westwoods, the crunches, the, I suppose, leisure centers as they were with the pools and everything, just teaching classes um, and doing some kind of PT on the floor. But when I met Sean and Jay, it kind of, it changed my perception of it at all. Because at that stage, small group training or large group training with barbells and personalizing it was coming into it. And it wasn't all these big fancy facilities it was kind of more smaller spaces where you get treated better i suppose you're not a number um so that was my first i suppose introduction to that sort of gym a facility if you want to call it um and it's grown throughout ireland at a very rapid pace now um i think someone said there's like 700 gyms in ireland now which is amazing yeah for for, for the population of this country um, and I suppose that's where I got the idea of opening up my own place. I, I had a very good story with Sean McGarity, is that I bumped into him outside a pub one day. and uh, As every Irish person does. Yes, it. exactly. And uh, I bumped into him and I said to him, I said to him the last day I finished in, in Elite that I was going to open my own place. And I bumped into him one afternoon outside the pub and I said, I've just opened my own place. And he goes, Shit, I never thought you'd do it. Right. Um, but you have done it. I'm very proud of you from that. And um, just, just to highlight a little bit on that, like talk to us through finishing your studies mm -hmm. and then getting the keys to your own place. So wasn't easy. Yeah. Definitely was not easy. Um, as I said, it was very... At that time, small gyms were only... Or small independent gyms were only opening their doors, really. Um, I ended up leaving... 
Elite and I went to doing an unpaid internship for eight months in a gym in Dundrum. Um, I was selling memberships, I was taking classes for them, cleaning, doing the basic stuff that you do in a commercial-based gym. I gained a bit of experience doing sales, taking classes, um, and then I decided I'd saved up a bit of money from doing some stuff, PTs on the side, and I bought myself some kettlebells, some balls, and I went and just started with family and friends in a field, started doing boot camps um, in 2014. In the summer of 2014, started doing boot camps in a field, and it just kind of word spread that we were doing it, and we would have maybe 15 one week, 20 the next, 12. It always goes up and down with boot camps and pay as you go. And then obviously the Irish weather kicks in and you're not doing anything because it's lashing rain the whole time. So it came to the stage where 2015, I got offered a room is what I could call it, um, to bring my PT business into that. So the room was tiny. You could probably fit three people in it at a go, including myself. Um, but it was, a st a, I suppose, a stepping stone for myself. Uh, 2015 just kind of concentrated on figuring out how to run a business it like definitely because I never went to college or studied business it was eye-opening and bills had to be paid and rent had to be paid you had to be paid so it was very different from anything that I've ever done and um, to have overheads like that um, and I suppose we went from there to we lasted we went 2015 to the end of 2015 and the building actually was sold it's now a huge chain of gyms, but after that, I found this unit here in Dean's Grange, um, and we moved in here in 2016, and we're still here till present date. Fantastic. Um, and I suppose, on just on that, like, being an entrepreneur, being a business person, being a gym owner, as you say, you have to manage so much. Do you love it all? Yeah, I do. It sounds... It sounds strange, but it's a challenge. Every day is a different challenge. Um, how are you going to cope with this bill? And how are you going to work out this? And when's your next inquiry coming through the door? And how do you manage your staff and your coaches, programs? It's, it's a challenge, and I love every minute of it. I've never not loved it. Of course, I have my up and down days where I hate it, and then the next day I love it. And it, there's always going to be a battle. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And on if anyone's listening, um, am I right in saying your business developed from you doing PT boot camps into semi what you have today, semi private PT? Will you just talk yeah. to us a little so, bit about that? I've, yeah, when we started, it was boot camps in the field. Then it went to PT, where it would be one or two people to to one. Moved down here, and I went with the idea because we had a bigger space. We do large group training. Did that for a while, and then the last two years. We've been running small group personal training. So for small group personal training is four people to one coach. Um, we have pods set up here in the gym, and we put four people per pod with what we were doing pre-COVID. So obviously since everything has come in, now it's just four people per session. So um, it is absolutely... When we, when we moved to small group, it absolutely changed the business. Um, the business skyrocketed from there. Uh, it was probably the personal attention that everyone was getting the 
I suppose the more that they felt they were getting out of a coach or the more personalization that they were getting that that was what was for them and the large group was you could easily get lost and not get anything out of the session from a coach so I'm delighted that we made that move um, and I suppose we're tr continuing to grow even though we're in lockdown right now we're providing the service for our clients we're still doing small group personal training online um, we're doing our group sweat sessions all that is on zoom but we're still growing um, and we are going to continue to grow uh, we are looking at different aspects of the business to to keep growing and on listen it's it's super to your optimism your positivity and we're, we're going to touch on like how you've transitioned into i suppose these crazy lockdown times at the moment or the new norm as some people say just on the business aspect and running your own business and having coaches and staff and everything like that is there anything you don't like about being a business owner um i suppose the only thing I don't like is dealing with confrontation in any sense, I suppose. Um, I'm not a person to go arguing with anybody and I don't. I hate fighting with people. Uh, so confrontation would be one of the things that I don't like as a business owner and it makes me wonder, should I get someone to do that for me? A HR person. But um, I try to do my best for everybody. Uh, and I've and I always will stand by that. I try to do my best for everyone and look after all my staff and my members as well as to the best of my ability. Obviously, there's going to be confrontations, and I suppose it comes in part and parcel with running a business. There's times you have to stand your ground, and there's times you have to look at the situation. Sometimes you might get annoyed and get heated, but that's when you have to take a step back. And I think as I've developed as a person, that's when I've learned to step back. I could have lost a rag numerous occasions and just thrown the toys out of pram but as i've got older i suppose as well as developing as a person i've taken the step back and kind of realized what i have to do and how to approach these situations now but that would be the one thing that i would have hated but still hate is confrontation and kind of arguments um if they ever do come up now, i'm not saying that we have arguments as mm. as a team but confrontations come up with different ideas different minds on what should happen or different ways and people work i suppose um and it's just development i suppose as well um and i suppose on you're at the covering a lot there but if, if there's anyone listening that maybe maybe it's not fitness related they're not trying to get in and do a fitness business or maybe it is it seems like it's coming through that always customer service is super important and keeping it so personal and the quality you have and I know a lot of people, it's like business to business, but it's kind of person to person. How important is that aspect of growing your business? It's the most important part of it. Uh, if someone does not feel comfortable in your business or does not enjoy it within your facility, your gym, it doesn't have to be a gym, whatever your business is. If someone is not comfortable, then they're not going to stay. They're not going to provide, they're not going to take up your service. They're not going to recommend you to anybody. You need to make time for each member and that could be a simple message once a week it could be an email it could be a phone call i spend sometimes spend hours with members on the phone making sure that they are all right and that'll never stop and um, as more as busy as we get i'll still make time for anyone that i can it's the most important part of 
what I do here. And it's a lot of things that people do not see is the amount of hours that you put into doing that and building relationships. Um, as I said, if someone does not feel comfortable or they feel like they're being looked after, your business isn't going to grow. Your business is going to go the other way. It's going to go downhill if you do not make time for people. If you're not if you're not there to have fun, if you're not there to have a joke, have a laugh with somebody, it's this someone coming into the gym could be the best hour of day, their day. And at the moment, even though we are where we are right now, previous to lockdown, we were probably the only outlet that people had, and it was the best hour of their day. So that means a lot to people, and if they're surrounded by people that they don't they don't like or an environment they don't like then they're not really going to stay or they're not going to stick with your business they might go somewhere else and try and say that this is what they were doing there and i didn't like it and they might try and improve somewhere else it's just like customer service is the most important thing to any business um no matter what industry it is in yeah 100 100 agree on all that um so on 2020 if we, if we um, I suppose if we go back to the start of the year, I'd love to just really delve into how you guys have adapted and talked to us about this year so far. Oh, twenty twenty started, I suppose, as any other year. <laughs> um, twenty twenty. So let's bring it back to March, I suppose, when it all happened. Um, I was actually in New York the week before everything closed down over in New York. Uh, I was boarding a plane coming home. And tr- Donald Trump came on the TV and had said that no flights were coming in from Europe or, and there was a whole load of frenzy in, in JFK airport and our flight was delayed three hours. 80 people didn't get on our flight, which wow. they were afraid that they wouldn't get back in. It was people coming over for weddings and we were sitting beside people and they were, we're only going for three days. I was like, it's a long trip for three days. Yeah. But um, the whole thing was a, a mess. Um, so I came back. And I was getting reports from the coaches that whatever was going on in Ireland was going on. But um, I was getting reports that this is what we should be doing. I was like, put it into place. Do what you have to do until I get back. And I got back on the Thursday evening, I think it was the 14th of March, and I'd shut the gym. Literally came home. Coaches weren't comfortable. Uh, I wasn't comfortable putting anyone in, in harm's way if that was what we were being told mm. was that it was very dangerous um so i took the took the opportunity and just closed the gym on the 14th um and then that was and i'm just on that just like i know you're just saying it there like close the gym but like that's a big decision huge decision huge decision it wasn't an easy one i sat scratching my head nearly in tears trying to figure out what was the right thing to do called people other gym owners um, called my folks, my dad. He has he's a business owner. He's an entrepreneur as well. Took his advice. Uh, took mentors' advice, and yeah, it was the decision that oh, this is only going to be two weeks. Close the gym two weeks. Provide members with equipment, and we'll be back in in two weeks. And is that own the information you were being given at the time, or yeah. was it just through the government? Well, I, I think everyone thought that it was only going to be a short-term thing. And we didn't know anything, really. We were told, it didn't come out until the week after that we were supposed to close the gyms from the government. So we were one of the first to close the gyms. And I think a lot of the small 
independent owners then started to take follow followed on and they followed suit and they closed their gyms and the big commercial chains closed the gyms and i think pretty much every gym was closed before the government asked us to close um, it was taken into our own hands really um, there's been very little advice for us from the government anyway but um, we we took it on ourselves that was a very hard thing for us to do because obviously you build a business and you want to keep building it and you see your hard work and then all of a sudden it's just boom it stops um, and you're kind of twiddling thumbs what do we do next what do we do next there's a lot unknown there on I, I know personally from from my own business is I think at the start of if we call it the first lockdown a lot of people were it was okay working from home was this great thing it was new and shiny but just talk to me about like I what I suppose the clients were telling you and what you're feeling I suppose it's like a new shiny toy I suppose when you get your new car you're always in it and you're loving it um yeah so I suppose it was the same with working from home people were loving it at the start they had more freedom I suppose they could roll out of bed and sit at their desk sit in their pajamas and have their tea and coffee all day um and then it was as mar well it was coming into the summer months as well so if you wanted to get out you could get out and it was nice and sunny and you can shorts and t-shirt outside not so much right now mm. but um they all really like from what i've heard from my members is that they loved it at the start now it's not so it's not so new and shiny anymore they're pretty fed up there's as we spoke about earlier there's no human interaction and um, there's no having the laugh in the office there's no going for coffee with your colleagues at lunch or going for a lunch um there's no big meetings if anyone was traveling for work they're not doing that anymore Um, i think there's a lot of people struggling with that because it's now becoming just one thing it's not becoming work and life it's becoming life mm. Um, and I can see that this is going to have a huge impact on people, not right now or in the next month or two, but further on down the line. I think there will be a huge impact on on people's health and I suppose mental health maybe as well. And on, I suppose just on that point, you're at the discussion, you were kind of ahead of the curve, you closed the gym, you went online, um, clients said which, I'm sure some clients dropped off. Was there light at the end of the tunnel then when you, you got more information off the government and you were able to open back up or just talk to me about that um to be honest it was such a long period of time that it didn't seem like there was any light at the end of the tunnel it was now the first lockdown everyone did what they were supposed to do they bought into it mm. and everyone was doing what they should have and it was quiet on the streets and no one was getting into the information but i found that everyone was in it together this we're in it together was probably one of the sayings that came out of this um there didn't seem like a light to the end of the tunnel like, like ireland wasn't hit as bad as the rest of europe with the virus um so sometimes i thought maybe that the next announcement they'll get us back open and they'll start reopening the country and when they laid out tiers, we found that gyms were in the last level and then they got moved to level three and only outside. And when we saw that stuff kind of coming out, we, we were put, there was positivity about it, that we were going to get reopened and that they were trying to, to help us and help others and in every business and every sector. 
And then we got back open, which was great. Now, obviously, it was tough. It was 14 weeks sitting at home doing Zoom classes. Not everyone's going to enjoy that. We had a huge drop-off. Um, we had 60% drop-off from what we were at the first first week of March. Um, 60%, which is obviously it's, it's damaging to everybody. It's damaging to business, um, damaging to staff, damaging to myself. Um, but we got we got through it. Um, we reopened. We did the outdoor training. Then we were allowed back in, and we really didn't get much. I suppose guidelines. It was the same kind of two meters distance between everybody, uh, masks, hand sanitizer. That was really all the guidelines we got as an industry. Um, they'll say that there's guidelines out there for us, but it's there was none really handed out as such towards fitness industries where there was in the hospitalities or in salons or anything like that. Um, so we kind of had to, again, take it on ourselves. So we spent thousands putting into place all the precautions that were asked for. We bought um, an electrostatic sanitization gun, which was over two grand. Uh, we have temperature checks coming in, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer went up to 100 euro per five liters in some places, which was bad business in my opinion for pe from people, but they were doing anything they could to make a book at that stage. But we, we'd put the money in, we put the effort in, and we find ourselves in this position again. And on at that stage, were people excited to get back training? Oh, and everyone yeah. was delighted. Everyone flooded back. We actually grew in a space of four weeks we grew to pass what we were in march um, and that was between doing outdoor training and then getting back inside so we grew a huge a huge amount in a period of time where everyone just wanted to get back training and i'm not sure if it was that some people didn't trust bigger commercial gyms to that they couldn't trust people that were actually the other members that they were looking in after the places like they would. But we ended up having a lot of members come here. A lot of new members come from other gyms um, because they felt safer. They knew what was happening in the place. They knew how we were looking after the cleaning and the sanitization and bringing external companies in to clean the place as well. So they knew that the place was clean and safe where maybe that wasn't their feeling about other places. So, And Owen, I suppose at that stage, people are coming back in the door. You're probably busier than ever. You're growing the business again. Was there part of you going, I don't know about this. Is this going to last? Or were you just excited for the future then? Uh, this is, there's plans made. There's been plans in the making since we reopened to get a bigger facility to look at the possibility of moving. That still hasn't changed. I know we will be reopened. I know that we can continue to provide the service um, to our clients to provide everything that we have done, the environment. Um, I'm not scared that we'll not reopen. I know that we will. I know we have a really good membership base. Um, I suppose the thing that I am worried about is that when that's going to be. Uh, we keep getting flaky answers. Um, it's just, it's not, there's no clear evidence to why gyms should be closed. Uh, it's just, 
it's a bit of a mess at the moment. And, and um, sorry for cutting across, but on that, is that when you're talking about the clear evidence, is that where the petition came about? That's where the petition came about, yeah. Well, and will you just explain that just if any listeners haven't heard about it? Yeah, so I set up a petition. It's two weeks ago now. Um, basically, after... I just go back a little bit before mm. that. During the first lockdown, I would spend a lot of time on the phone with members who were struggling mentally, that they didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They didn't see that their job was going to be there forever. Um, they didn't see that they were going to be able to provide. They didn't see that they were going to be able to like just keep going. So I spent hours on, on the phone over lo the lockdown period. Um, like I spoke about the hours that you put in behind the scenes, I spent hours on phones and I saw firsthand what it did to a lot of people. Um, and I saw how, when we came out of that lockdown, the same people that were calling me, like not doing very well, were coming in here with a massive smile on their face and it had changed their day, it changed their, their life. As for some of them have said to me, it has changed their life. Um, not just a fitness gym, eh? Not just a fitness gym, and a gym is more than yeah. just fitness, in my opinion. Um, but it had just, the, it just comes in, they came back and it had just changed their life. And that's where the petition came about is that everyone, every other industry had someone making noise. Like when we came out of the first lockdowns, the hospitality sector had someone making noise, had a body making noise for them asking the government all the questions and then the salons and the hairdressers the exact same thing there was questions asked why can't they open when can they open the body was asking for that and it just felt like there was nobody making the noise here for the fitness industry or health centers or anything like that there was no no one trying to fight our battle as we could see um in the uk uk active made a lot of noise and they successfully reopened gyms in the UK. Um, but that just doesn't seem to be the, the what's going to happen here. Um, so the petition came about is that we wanted to make some noise, I suppose. Um, and I never thought it would gather the steam that it, it did gather. Um, there's 56,000 signatures on it to today. Um, and talk to me about that. I'll just to go into that. How did that like light up, light the fire? So... I sent out a press release. I've never sent out a press release. I didn't know how to. I asked someone that I knew that was a journalist, that had studied journalism, sorry. And they did it for me. And it was very simple. And it got picked up by, first of all, 98FM. Um, I spent the, uh, I spent an hour, just under an hour on the phone with Adrian Kennedy. Um, different, different people calling in and answering questions. And then it was picked up by News Talk, Q102. Uh, it kept being picked up. 90, or RTE uh, came out to us. I was on the RTE News. Um, it just kept getting picked up, and it just exploded. Um, and positive on, or were you getting challenged? or was Of course, with everything, you're going to get challenged. Um, because I took it on and put it on my Instagram feed, I was getting messages on Instagram bad-mouthing me and <laughs> It comes with everything. Yeah. You're trying to battle against something. Someone's always going to try and get battle against you. The main messages were like, you're money hungry. You're just looking after your pockets, those kind of things. And as I said, this, of course, it financially impacts me, but that's not what I'm worried about the most. I'm worried about my members. 
And that's why I started the petition because we have frontline workers in here. We have nurses, we have guards, we have doctors, we have teachers, we have SNAs. They're all frontline and they are stressed to their, up to their eyeballs. And this was their release. Um, this was the outlet that they could go to. They probably on the most stressful years of their life at the moment. And this was the outlet that they had to get rid of that. Um, like everybody else, this was their outlet. And it, at the end of the day, it wasn't just for fitness. Of course, it's you're coming in, you're training, you're looking after yourself. It's also about the mind and what it does for your mind, the training. Um, it's, in my opinion, an important daily habit. Um, it's not, I think, something that should be taken lightly. I think it needs to become a habit in more people's lives in Ireland. Um, but it was that you needed somewhere to go to have this outlet. And the other thing that we were trying to fight for is that every time the government comes on and says you have to be physically fit to fight this virus, you to, to fight it, you're, and they would have taken that away. How, how are people supposed to stay fit to fight this? And where are we at on, or explain to me, like what is the goal of a petition or does that get in front of government or talk to me a little bit about that so the petition but this is this is a funny story now the petition is supposed to get in front of government and it's supposed to, i sent it into the Oireachtas, and the Oireachtas sent me back an email to say that since the government had disbanded since from lockdown one there was no one there to take in the petition so i was kind of shocked when i got that back but the petition got sent to I'm pretty sure every single TD that's in government right now. It got sent to the health minister. Um, it got sent to the Tarnishta and it got sent to the Taoiseach and got automated replies from that. Uh, it's got sent to local councillors. I'm pretty sure every councillor, TD and minister has got it. And yes, there's still no acknowledgement of it which in my eyes is very, very annoying from the, from the government side. The TDs have acknowledged it. They completely agree with us. Um, and the councillors completely agree with us that gyms should be turned into an essential service if they're run properly. Safely and correctly. Sa and safely and correctly. Um, and they've brought it up in the doll and all they keep getting back is, oh, we'll look at it, we'll look at it, we'll look at it. And the data's not there. The data is not there. The HSPC taking all this data. And the last one that I saw was the 10th of October. And they have sporting activity slash fitness is their own bracket. Is, but that's not to say that it's a gym. And it says that there's nine outbreaks in gyms where you look at any other sector. You could be looking at five, six, ten times that. Mm. Um, households are what 3000 or something outbreaks or cases or it was some mad number anyway and we um we felt very hard done by that this lockdown non-essential has been has been locked down that's pretty much the only thing is gyms uh, fitness centers restaurants cafes uh, pubs and then i suppose hairdressers and salons they're all closed and all everything else is still open like this lockdown is very different to every other the other lockdown i don't the, the roads are still as busy the shopping centers are still as busy there's queues outside mcdonald's out, outside off licenses just kind of goes against everything that they're trying to 
to say and being fit and healthy and fight this virus and stay at home. It's just all these things are opening. And on just on that, I've seen some stuff on the on the UK and I suppose what's the what's the current climate with gyms at the moment? Has everyone stood to the guidelines or is there anyone going, listen, we want to stay open or um I'm sure there is people that have stayed open and they're keeping quiet about it. Um I don't know. Um is my honest answer with that. Uh this feels very not a lockdown, in my opinion. Like and my and this is not bad about any other industry or anything like that. You've got physiotherapists, they're open, osteopaths, they're open. Their therapy is what they're under, so they're an essential service. But how would if someone needs to do rehab from a physio in a gym if they have a bad back, if they've broken a back or broken their hip or their like the elderly people would have broken their hips or something like that, they need somewhere to go to to do this rehab. It's just, it doesn't make sense in my mind that they've closed one sector that can just help so many people. And it, it, the petition wouldn't have gotten so many signatures if the people didn't feel so strongly about it. So if you even take 1% of those 56,000 people, and if they suffer after this, this lockdown mentally, physically, whatever way it is, it's a huge amount of people. Um, from, what, from the data that we're seeing, gyms are not the issue. Mm. Gyms are a very safe place. There's a lot of money being spent on keeping them safe. There's a lot of people um, put their life and soul into making sure that it's safe. And clients of members of gyms have bought into it as well. It's not that they have gone on and fought, fought with it. When we ask people to wear masks, they wore masks. Mm. When we ask people to come in, do their temperature check, hand sanitize, they abided by all mm. of it. They knew that we were doing it in their safety. Um, where you could go into a pub and you could sit there for three or four hours, even though you're only supposed to spend an hour and a half there. You didn't even have to get a meal. You just sat there drinking outside. It just doesn't make sense in my mind why one sector was closed and it just has this, this dirty reputation. I think there's a reputation of gyms having been a dirty, sweaty place it's not what it, it they're back in the olden days yeah. the irony days maybe that's what they're looking at but it's the gym the modern gym has changed so much it's neat tidy there's not weights thrown all over the place no one's smashing dumbbells into the ground well here anyway yeah. maybe in some gyms i'm delighted to say i'm in owns gym and it's listen it's state-of-the-art and it, it's as as slick as you can possibly think of and i, I suppose on not to move forward too quick but just I suppose going forward for yourself or this year, what do you see happening? This year, um, this year, well, we're going to reopen yeah. on the first of December. Okay, uh, they've promised six weeks. Mm -hmm. If it's reviewed in the middle of November, we'll be reopened on the first of December. We have plans of a move. Um, there's ins and outs of that that have to be worked on. But we are looking to grow this facility. We're looking to help more people. We're looking to become one of the best facilities in Dublin. Um, we, that's always what I've strived to have, is one of the best facilities in Dublin um, that hell can help as many people as possible. When we, were, we had well over 100 members here before lockdown. Um, we will have 
100 members when we come back. I'm not worried about that, but we could grow and we could help so many more. It's more than just a workout here. Um, it's more than, it's more, it's more like a family here. Everyone says that when they come in. Our, we have members here that have been with me since 2014. So they're six years here. They're like family. Um, we, we do the best that we can for everybody here, but the business will continue. The business will grow. It's just a matter of time until all these things fall into place. So I love um, I love your positivity, Alan, because I think it's, uh, it's uh, and drive and your optimism. It's something I think a lot of people need to hear at the moment because we're consumed by the news. It's just negative. Like, it's let's call it what it is. Negative noise the whole time. Now, don't get me wrong. It took me a lot, long time to get to where this point that I'm at. Yeah. But like doing Facebook videos used to scare the living daylights out of me. Uh, you used to record them and and then repost and then record them and delete, record, delete. But I, again, as I've grown and developed, and it's probably true having coaches, mm. and it's one of the most important things I can say to anybody that's out there that's kind of struggling is get somebody to help. Yeah. Um, ask. Ask for the help. Like I have myself and yourself. That's where we met. Was. Mm. We had our own coaches and Jay and Sean, and then I moved off and I have another coach now as well. It's just, you need someone there to kind of reassure it, look at the business from the outside, because you're consumed by it. Um, the whole, every day, you can't see outside it where others can. Yeah. They're also there to help you develop as a person. Like I'm 30 years of age now, and when I opened Elevate, it, well, I was 24. So it's a very different person to back then. Yeah. Um, I was wild and wanted it right now. Back then, that's all what was like, like a baby throwing it, stamping the foot. Mm. But now I know that patience, it's patience, it will come. Yeah, yeah. It always doesn't have to be right now, but it will come. Yeah. Uh, um, we're, I'm just gonna fire a couple of quick questions at you before yeah. we finish off the tail end here. Um, now uh, this kind of trips people up sometimes when. If you can think back or to your journey or personal or career so far, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Is there anything that stands out to you? Oh, um, best piece of advice. I suppose the one where we've just kind of covered it mm. is don't don't be afraid to ask for help. When I got into, I suppose, the fitness industry it was kind of like nobody wanted to ask anybody else for help. You'd be in the gym and there'd be other PTs there and they wouldn't ask each other a question. It was kind of like a, like a battling against each other. Yeah. It, but it's, it's not. Like, you have your own fitness business, Tom. I have my own fitness business. We'd meet for coffee, have chats, have a laugh. It's the same with the other lads, with Scott Furlong, Darren Murray. We'd always meet and have coffee and we're, we all have different businesses. We all have... Uh, financial goals mm. we all have goals for our businesses but we're all really good mates yeah. the fitness industry is it has changed my life for the better um but that one thing is like never be afraid to ask for help it's a huge thing that i'll always put my hand up and ask for it so i'm doing out business plans for the future i am i sent this to two other gym owners i've sent it to a member of ours who's um, a financial consultant, and I've sent it to my dad, who's an entrepreneur as well, has his own business, and that's asking for the help. Yeah. Give me the advice on what you think that this should be, 
and it's just it is just something so important that people are very afraid to they're afraid to look weak yeah um being asking for help is not weak in my opinion it's actually strong yeah that's brilliant um and a, a question we i always try and ask uh, some of the guests is if you could have a meal with five people dead or alive mm. who would it be who would be sitting at that table with you well um dead or alive to be honest one of them i because i'm a huge fan roy mcroy i'd have to have okay. him there um i suppose he's the biggest export out of here yeah, i suppose yeah. um i like the way i suppose some of the american gyms are run so a big person that i've met in, in person is alan cosgrove i'd love to sit down and have a proper chat with him um he is i think at one stage he was the person who was making the most money per square foot in the gym in the gym industry in the world wow uh, then i suppose i'd love to sit down and talk with i suppose rugby players as well yeah, yeah. rugby's a big part of my life still i've coached and played it um i'd love to sit down with i suppose brian o'driscoll yeah. have a chat with him just his outlook on life because yeah. as you said he didn't play rugby until he was 18 and then best player one of the best players in the world yeah uh, that's three two to go oh. tiger woods would be one because of his fight back yeah. from everything that he struggled with after his injuries and his addictions and everything like that um and obviously he's an amazing golf player as well but he'd be another one and then the last one oh, you've caught me out here tom uh the last one i'd like to sit down with would be maybe someone from a completely different industry maybe like bono or someone like yeah, that yeah, yeah. someone completely not in the sporting industry or anything like that just to get his aspect on business yeah. life okay, of course he's like you too so they're pretty bit well off at yeah, this yeah. stage but i'm sure they had their struggles and i'm sure they had times where they were tough so there we yeah be, brilliant be uh, it sounds like a, an interesting table it'd be it interesting would, conversation yeah. be. um last two here on um i suppose have you got any recommendations on listeners when it comes to books or podcasts or anything that helps you um, well, I've been listening to your own podcast. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Cheers. Um, podcasts, books. I suppose Simon Selleck's book, The Why, um, that is a very good book for anyone starting off a business. Um, I'm only after finishing the Lululemon podcast as well, or audio book, yeah. which is a very, very good story um, and where it actually came from. Interesting about the brand and stuff, isn't uh, it? Yeah. It's it's brilliant um and then there i have another few over there i'm actually in the middle of uh, champagne football okay yeah, yeah. FAI is it good yeah it is yeah very good yeah. i don't know how to get away with it i don't know yeah. <laughs> um and then i have the nike the founder of nike phil knight's one over there as shoe well. dog isn't it yeah yeah shoe dog yeah, yeah very interesting that's over there as well so um everyone's gonna have their own take on books and audio books so I, there come some of the ones that I found quite interesting so far. Brilliant. And I suppose, Owen, just to finish off, where can people stay connected with yourself or find out about the petition? Just tell us a little bit so about that. So the petition is on my Instagram feed. It's in the bio. Um, the My Instagram feed name is elevatefit.ie. So it's E-L-E-V, the number eight, 
elevatefit.ie um, you can find us there Elevate Fit uh, Elevate Health and Fitness on Facebook is that is our username there um, so the petition is all on there if you want to follow it or go and sign it there it is um, if you want to follow us and see what we're doing that's where you find us Brilliant. Uh, listen, Owen, I just want to say big thanks for jumping on. It's great to sit down with you here this morning and have a conversation. So thanks so much. Oh, no, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, Owen. Thank you.